Hey, this is Fred Karen, the Creativity Explorer. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's session. I have a wonderful guest. His name is Frederick Huron, and he's, uh, dedica- he's dedicated the last 25 years to helping people discover their full creative potential. He is the Creativity Explorer. Frederick speaks on business creativity, idea generation, and global business. He's delivered over 2,000 presentations, lectures, and workshops in over 70 countries on six continents, inspiring over a million people from the stage to become more creative in the workplace and foster new ways of thinking. He's the author of 10 books, and he's the recipient of many awards, including being named the Speaker of the Year, as well as one of the 10 best speakers in Sweden of all time. He's also the founder of the Ideas Island, and where he lets creative people stay for free on one of his three private islands so they can work on their ideas. Frederick Huron is, is driven by his inner theme of humanity to the power of ideas, and he believes in the potential of humanity and the power of creativity. Frederick, a massive warm welcome to you to our show today. Hey, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Whereabouts are you in the world today? I'm actually on one of my islands in Sweden. Oh, awesome. You might hear, you might, you might hear some, some waves clucking in the background. Ah, that'd be very nice. Very nice indeed. So, Frederick, I've given a brief background or uh, explanation about who you are and so forth, the introduction. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? Yeah, I, I think that was ex- exemplary, actually. I think that was a good summary of what I do. I have studied and I continue to study human creativity. That's my passion. Yeah, excellent. And so how did you get into that and leadership and other things and change? How did you get into this, Frederick? Well, I went to university in nineteen in the ni- early 1990s. And in 1993, I went to study one semester in America. And I, and I had a girlfriend in Sweden. And it, at that university, they had something called the internet and where you could send emails, which meant I could send letters to my, to my girlfriend in one day instead of two weeks. So I said, you have to go find a computer that has internet somewhere. And that's when I saw the internet. And I came back to Sweden in 93 and 94, I wrote my university thesis on, on uh, internet and marketing. I think it was the first thesis on, it, on the topic at, in Sweden. And, uh, and my, <laughs> my professor... Uh, 
first wouldn't let me write on it. And then when I had written it, he copied it and put it into a, a book and published a book. <laughs> That's when I learned wow. never, never to trust professors. But that too, that was a, so, um, so suddenly I was an internet expert and, and I, and I was 27 years old. I had studied internet for 10 weeks, which meant I knew 10 weeks more about the internet than anyone else did in Sweden. And I was there for an expert and I became a speaker. People asked me to come and speak about this thing that I knew so much about. I like to say sometimes being an expert means knowing more than the audience. And in my case, I knew 10, 10 weeks more about the internet than anyone else that made me an expert. And then since then, I've been trying to stay 10 weeks ahead of everyone else. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, you just keep staying ahead of your audience and, and then you're all good there. And it's interesting how life has started to change even then in those days in the sense of the internet and being able to send your girlfriend a letter or a message within two days or one day versus sending it over over two weeks. It's, it's amazing how things have changed and we see things changing even more so now as well. So do you see a lot of things changing for us in the sense of technology is driving change yeah so i mean basically the, for the first five years in the in the 1990s i spoke about the internet i was an internet speaker and then in 2000 i got tired of it because i felt well now we thought about everything we can think about about the internet so now what am i going to speak about and now 20 years later we're still talking about digital transformation it's kind of mind-blowing actually but it's, mm. it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, the change that we've seen in the last 20 years is nothing compared to the change we will see in the next 20 years. And that's what makes it so interesting to, to study the topic right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the next 20 years, you're, you're so right. There's going to be a lot of change happening for sure. Frederick, here's a question for you. And, and that is that now this person could be alive or the person can be from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Well, okay. I think that's a very good question. I, I, but I, I want to answer it in a bit in a different way. I would say my favorite leader is all the unknown leaders that do all the, this amazing work and, and never get any acknowledgement for it or any recognition for it. Like, a, I don't know, a small someone starting a Sunday school somewhere uh, and get the kids together so they have something to do on the weekend or uh, if you want me to put a name on it, I can I can put a name on it. Her name is Robin, and she runs an organization for children of sex workers in the slums of Mumbai. She goes out and finds these totally neglected children, and she runs this tiny organization on a tiny budget and with these traumatized girls and very little recognition, very little reward, a lot of hard work, and does amazing work. And uh, there are there, and she's amazing. But there are millions of people like that all over the world. Yeah, and it's amazing the work that they do. And as you said, it's unrecognized. It's sort of being done in the background, but it's so important work, right? It's 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 work that they do that has major impact in our future, in our children for the future, in our generations for the future. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, innovation is a very important topic, but I would I would go so far to say that leadership is an even more important topic because if you don't have leaders, not very much gets done. I mean, yes, you know, you, you people can do things one on one and one, but then we then we still need self leadership. So either way, we need leadership to get things done. So it's a very very important topic, and I think it's really good that, like I said, I studied the internet for uh, in the beginning, and I saw the potential of sharing knowledge and information, and to think about how much leadership is improving in the world because things like this, free education, free podcast, free blogs or whatever on how helping leaders become better because God knows in the history of mankind, we 
we, uh, we have had very, a lot of bad leaders and a lot of people who never had an, any ability to learn how to become better leaders. So now you can sit, you can sit in, I don't know where, you can sit in Afghanistan for God's sake and want to study how to become a leader. Now you can do that from the best leader, leadership consultants and coaches anywhere in the world. And that in itself is going to lead to even more innovation. So however you look at it, it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, that global reach of the internet and being able to do that and having that access to this material, as you said, is is tremendous. And and, uh, it'd be wonderful to see where it's going to go, but also what other, I'm going to call them product, but I'm going to say the outcomes or results that we'll see the new leaders of the future. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what that happen. Yeah, I uh, I actually pulled my kids out of school so one year hmm. ago. So we're, we're now homeschooling our kids and wow. we are doing it to teach them how to learn so that they're ready for whenever they come out. So so basically they have one teacher in the UK, they have one teacher in in the Philippines, they have a coding teacher sits in in India. Uh, so we're basically finding the teachers that we can find online to teach them. And then in the morning, they get one hour with the teacher and says, this is what you're going to do today. And then they go on and they do it. And they are five, well, soon six, eight and 10. And they're working independently by assignment that they've been given on in video chats or online. And they go on and they do it and they do online research for the material they need to do and things like that. And they're learning very, very well how to work in a, in a world that is, because they're growing up as, as true internet digital native people. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of the kids that go to schools today are still not, I mean, the last industry to adapt to this new world is, is, is regular school. And that's very sad because they're not learning how, how they should work and how we will work in the future, how we are working today, actually. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think the uh, the other beautiful thing about that is that the, the kids are learning how to be independent, how to how to stand on their own two feet and, and, and do things and go out and learn themselves rather than being somebody standing at the top of them telling them what to do. Um, so I think that's, yeah. a bit, that's a great thing. Yeah, definitely. So, Frederick, you're the creativity explorer, and you and I met several years ago, and we had a session. You and I talked about things, and and I talked about where I wanted to go with with things around leadership and change, and and then we sort of came out with this title called Leadership is Changing, which is the name of the show. Yeah. And, and it was just so, so awesome to go through that process with you. When I mentioned leadership is changing, what does that mean for you? I, what I really like with with that phrase is that it means it can mean so many things. In first of all, it to me it means that what we mean by leadership is changing. It used to be how it well it, duh, what if you go back fifty years, most people would would have seen a man and like assume it would be a man, uh, not hundred percent, but they would picture a leader and they would picture a man and now that's totally totally changing so what we mean by leadership leaders is changing also what we what we think that a leader should be doing instead of telling people what to do is about building teams and so on but then also leadership is changing as in if you are a leader you are about you are about changing where the organization is and where they are going and it's about changing the people to become better and to grow one of my favorite uh, i'm i'm very much into etymology and the etymology of of recruiting is to grow again that's what i mean to recruit means to grow again 
And, and one of the most important things a leader does is to find people and let them grow again, to find a position where they, where they can thrive and grow. And so there's many, many definitions or many, many facets and meanings into that, that one phrase that you have for your, for your podcast. And uh, uh, that's what I like about it. You can, uh, you, yeah, you can, you can read it in many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it can, can be looked at different ways for sure. When, when we talk about, when, when you just mentioned there about allowing people to thrive and grow, from your experience in working with people around the world and you've been on different stages and that, what do you think is one or two things that leaders should be doing in relation to change to allow people to thrive and grow? Okay, specifically around change, I think the, I mean, there, there are some obvious answers, but I think the, one of the maybe not obvious answers is that they should develop their curiosity. Curiosity is, if, if you, I've interviewed, after Creativity Explorer, I've interviewed some of the most creative people in the world. I mean, creative on the, they're creative people on all, on all levels, but when I'm talking truly creative people. And the number one thing that they have in common is that they're very often extremely curious. So uh, because I, was, I, I, I used the example of etymology before, do, do you know the etymology of the word curious? No. No. So was. curious comes from the word cura, which means to care. So to be curious about something means that you actually care about this, it means you, that you are profoundly interested in something. So if, if you go on a date and you and you're not interested in the person, you're not going to ask a lot of questions. You're just going to sit and uh, look at your watch and hope that the date will end. But if you're really interested in, in someone, then you will ask a lot of questions and you're going to be curious. So curiosity and care about something is connected. It's also You could also say that what you are curious about is what you care about. So if you want to be really creative, you need to be curious. And then if you're a leader, leadership and change, then your job is to make sure that, the, that people are curious about actually, you know, about, about anything and then make sure that whatever curiosity they have is then applied into the job that they have. Or if they're not able to do that, then put them somewhere else. I was interviewing one leader and we, we came up with this concept of inlet, not a creative outlet, because she was a leader and she was doing pottery on the side. And she looked at that and that's my creative outlet because she was working in an insurance company or something like that. And she said, this lady is very creative, had a lot of tattoos and everything, but she's working in insurance companies. She felt like this is, I can't be creative here. But luckily I have my pottery, pottery lessons on weekends and that's my creative outlet. And I said, well, what if that would be your creative inlet instead? That you take the creativity that you get from pottery and then you bring that back to work and use the, use the energy from the pottery and put it back into work. And then she did that. And suddenly in a few months, she was head of innovation at that company because and working with innovation projects within it. So, and that I think was, I mean, I wasn't her leader, I was her coach, but it was the same example of what a leader should do. Make sure that whatever this person, whatever a person is interested in, that fuels curiosity, that fuels interest and care in something, and that creates energy and energy creates change. Wow, beautiful stuff you're sharing here, Frederick. Listeners, here with Frederick Harridan, he's sharing with us about things around being curious and caring side of things, but also understanding a little bit more. And as leaders, we need to understand people more and how we can help them move to another level so then they can fly and be the best that they can be. And Frederick, I think that's fascinating what you're sharing here, which is really great to hear. Frederick, how has your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you? 
Well, you know, my, so my my industry is keynote speaking. So, and specifically global keynote speaking, speaking at big global in, international conferences. And the two industries that were hit the most by COVID was travel and uh, conferences. So, uh, being a global conference speaker is not a great idea in a pandemic. So, of course, my industry. I mean, and, and then you can say you can either pivot and go. I mean, of course, I do virtual speeches, but I never went into speaking to make money, and I never really went into speaking to spread a message. I went into speaking because I wanted. So, the, a bit of a backdrop here. I ran an internet company and I sold it in the dot peak of the dot com era. December, December ninety nine, we sold it, and then I said, okay, now I have. Now I made my money. Now what am I going to do with it for the rest of my life? And I said, well, what did I really like running my internet company? And I said, I really like standing on stages and interviewing people about what they think about what's going to happen next and then spread that message and then go on stage and share what I learned in the interviews. And that's really what I liked. So when the COVID came, I said, okay, I can't pivot, but I don't want to pivot. I want, this is what I like to do. And instead, what I, as I said to you, what I did was I did, I did take my kids out of school because I got my kids very late in life. And everyone, I, <laughs> everyone in my age have kids who are like, I'm 53 and my oldest is 10. Most of my friends' kids are going to university already. So when I got kids, their kids were already 10, 12 years old. So I asked them, Give me one advice as a parent that you wish you would have done. And they all said, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids when they were young. And my, as I said, my, mine are five, five, eight, and 10, which is the time you really want to be with them. And so we pulled them out of school and I've been traveling around with my kids and met, spent so much time with them. And I, I call that like uh, I pre-tired, you can say. I took two mm. years retirement in, in my 50s and I'll work two, more, two, two, more, two years more when I, instead of retiring at 65, I retired at 67 because by then my kids would be, be long gone anyway. And I think that's the best decision. If I look back at my life, I'm going to look back and say, this was the best decision I ever made in my life. And the first thing that happened when the pandemic came, we, me and my wife said, you know, this is going to be bad. And I said, we said, well, when we look back on the pandemic, when our kids look back on the pandemic, when they are older and they, they're going to say, this was the best, this was the best time of my childhood. And I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, we are right now on, on, on my private island. We've been here for four months with our kids and they are absolutely loving it. So that sometimes, you know, strategic decision, strategic life decisions should be more than just focused on making money for uh, like every month. So I think that was a very strategic life decision I took. Yeah, and I think, wow, uh, I think a lot of people in life, Frederick, are on autopilot. And the thing I love about you is, you know, the creativity explorer side of things, just the way you are. You you think differently. You think outside the box. You're very creative. And, and I love what you're just saying there about the strategic life decisions because I think a lot of people – are on autopilot and they just take things day in and day out where you've made decisions that are deliberate based on where you're wanting to go and what you're wanting to do, not based on the fear of, oh, I need to get a job or I need to get this or I need to do that. It's totally different. You're driving it and and you're making this stuff happen because the fact that is that you're being deliberate on where you're wanting to go and you're being very strategic. And and I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. And you're right. Your kids will love this for the future and you're teaching them things. They're going to set them up beautifully for their future as well, which is which is brilliant. So, so well done. 
Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. And I, like you said, a lot of people take strategic business decisions and they take strategic yeah. career decisions, but they may they are not as deliberate as taking strategic life decisions. And that is that is a shame because when you're going to lie there on your deathbed, you are going to cherish most the strategic life decisions that you took. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have regrets as well. And I think one thing that I would love to see people do more is work more on their purpose in life and what is their purpose and and then go ahead and chase that i, th- I think that'd be wonderful to see them doing that more i totally agree uh, even more i mean a lot of people do it and but you're right a lot of people don't do it and that is that is really a shame mm. frederick if there was one thing you or the our listeners could change in business as a leader today what do you what would it be well, okay. So I guess I should answer from the perspective of me, the creativity explorer. Mm. And I'm going to say then that I think I think people, maybe I'm saying that from the perspective of what I just said about how I've, I've approached the last few months, but I think people spend way too much time working too much. And I by that, I mean, uh, to me, creativity is a shortcut. So creativity is this idea of, of sit down, reflect, think, come up with a solution that is way better than what we have and then do that. So in a way, it's a sh- in a way, you can say it's a shortcut. And there's so many creative business shortcuts that should be taken if people just slow down, especially in America. God, they, they're, it's a sleep-deprived country, but other, also other parts of the world where people just work way too much for their brain to be able to be creative. Because if you ask people, I've asked over, I've asked hundreds of thousands of people this question, when do you have your absolutely best ideas? I'm talking like the 10 best ideas of your life kind of a thing. And the common denominator for those answers, and there's very well known, these answers are when I'm in the shower, when I'm in when I'm going to sleep, when I'm meditating, when I'm in nature, when I'm playing with my children, when I'm traveling, when I'm on the beach. So you see, there's a common denominator for these answers. People get really, really good ideas when they're really, really relaxed. And if that's the truth, then why on earth are we not spending more time being relaxed? Because I promise you that taking that time off to be relaxed is going to generate an idea that will make you make more money or become more successful or whatever it is you think you will have accomplished by working 18 hours a day or 16 hours a day or whatever it is, by just being more more hours in the office. Because no one ever gets the best ideas of their life in their office. I had my very, very best ideas in my life in a hotel room in Bangkok at 2 a.m. I woke up, I had a nightmare, and that is now going to turn into a novel in January on Penguin. Penguin Random House bought the global rights for that. That didn't come because I sat 18 hours in an office. It sat because I, I went to sleep and had a nightmare. But I also did that on vacation. I was extremely relaxed. Then I sat in an, in, I didn't sit in an office, I sat on a beach, but then I sat down in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours and wrote the novel, but the idea came when I was relaxed on vacation. So that people need to relax, not because they should be relaxed, that's a, that's a bonus, but they, because they become more creative. So listeners, relax. It doesn't mean, Frederick's not saying that you have to be on holiday all the time. What he's saying is that when we are taking ourselves out of the business or out of the workspace in the sense that we're actually under pressure there and we start to relax, that's when we can become a lot more creative. And you might actually surprise yourselves and what actually comes up for you 
if you do do that and yeah like bill i'm sorry but like, of course i'm not saying you should do it all the time but no one should do anything all the time so i mean mm. bill gates has his thinking weeks when he goes away and just reads for two weeks edison who had his best ideas when he went fishing jk rowling had the idea to harry potter on a train i mean we can you can study nobel prize winners and see where did they get the nobel prize winning idea while looking into a fire by walking in a forest like there's so much and and of course these were all hard-working people to spend a lot of time doing hard work. But when you have two weeks vacation and you don't take those two weeks because you decide to work instead, then something is very wrong in in society. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and I find that with a lot of executives I work with and I ask them, when's the last time they took a decent break? And for most of them, never. Yeah. And, if, and they go, oh, I had two weeks here. Then they go, come on, you and I know that those two weeks you would have been on your phone checking text messages, emails, conference calls. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking some time out to fully relax and something may come up for you and something else, you know, and being creative and, and being curious about things for sure. Yeah, definitely. You, you and I know people from traveling the world, working in workshops and speaking and so forth. We know people who have been employees, who are employees of organizations, how are employees' expectations changing around leadership? Yeah, that's a good question. I would like to be, the biggest difference, when I, when I went to university, so 1995, almost 30 years ago, that was right before the dot-com boom. I mean, it didn't exist, right? And I remember we all graduated from university and I had a friend, he got a trainee job at like the Swedish AT&T. And everyone was so envious that he was able to get a trainee job in the big corporate telia. Mm -hmm. But then by a fluke accident, I was actually recruited into a, one of the first ever internet startups in, in Sweden. I was employee number one and they gave me they they asked me if I wanted to buy twenty percent in the company for a dollar. And I said sure. And then I and then I started working there. So I became an entrepreneur without really wanting to become an entrepreneur. Fast forward 20 or 30 years forward, and now entrepreneurship is, is regardless where you go, you go to, I've been to Mongolia and I've been seeing internet interviewing entrepreneurs and incubators or Singapore is, a, is a, where I live right now, a huge startup scene. Stockholm, where I am right now, is the Silicon Valley of Europe. And everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's absolutely amazing. So to answer your question, I think if we fast forward this, maybe not five years, but let's say five, 10 or 15 years, the idea of, of having your own company is going to be more, it's going to be the natural, it's going to be the norm, the natural thing. And that's going to be, make it very hard for companies to recruit people. And sometimes I look at companies and go, why on earth are, is everyone working for this company? Why are they not starting their own companies and then selling their services to the big company. I think that we, that's, and now working for that, all the people have been working from home. I think a lot of people are realizing, yeah, why don't I just be a mm. consultant to a company instead? And we're going to be much more dynamic and fluid in the way we work in the future because def, you know this and I know this, the freedom that comes from working for yourself is unbeatable. Yeah, it sure is. And, and I think you're right around this pandemic side of things, it has actually made people stop and think about where they're going in life and for what we've seen already is that straight after the, the first major lockdowns just over a year ago people were saying you know what i don't want to be in this corporate world anymore i want to go and start my own business i want to go and do things life is too short and i need to go out and do things and then we've also seen creativity happen and innovation happen because people are like 
I don't want to. I don't like what I'm seeing, or I don't want to be in the situation again. I want to be able to move forward and and have more of my own uh, and be in control more of my own business and where I'm going. And and I think you're right, Frederick. I think that's we'll we'll see more and more of that happening going forward. But I also want to add that doesn't mean because not everyone wants to be working for themselves. Sure. A lot of people love the idea of colleagues and working together in a big group and all that. But even those people are going to ask. They're going to look at their neighbor and say, why why can he take Tuesday off if he if he wants to go and watch his uh, son's recital or whatever it is, which that freedom that comes from working for yourself. And I think companies will have to behave that way. It's not about having, you know, ping pong tables or free lunches. It's about giving yeah. the people the total freedom to work whenever whenever the heck they want. And companies they're not off, are not going to offer that in the future. They are gonna they are gonna find it extremely difficult to recruit uh, anyone. So the offerings, the flexibility in work is gonna be yeah. the big the big change when we go back from this pandemic. Because now everyone has w- learned working from home, they can actually be flexible with how they do things and when they work and when they don't work. Yep, that was the word I was going to use as well as flexibility for sure. Absolutely. So here's a question which just says, what makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? Because it's moving very fast. What makes them successful? Well, apart from the things we already talked about, I would say, okay, I call it idea perception. Idea perception is your ability to see how the world is changing. And to see the change to understand what the change will mean. Okay, I'll use the pandemic as an example. Like, when did you say to someone, uh, the person listening can ask ask yourself this question, when did you say to another person, I think it's going to be a global pandemic and I think that's going to create a global financial crisis? Like, when did you say that to someone else? Because that date is the date that will show your idea perception. And not only that, you say, if I think it's going to be a global pandemic and that's going to lead a globe to a global recession and therefore stocks are going to go down and therefore I should sell my stocks, right? If you sold your stocks at an early age, that will show up early. And then, of course, the other way around, when the stocks, they say, okay, now the governments are going to start printing money. So we have now reached, even though the pandemic is not over, we have now reached the bottom of the financial crisis. Now we need. Now I should buy stocks again. So idea perception is the ability to see the what is where the, that the world is going to change, understand what the change will mean and realize what needs to be done and then get people to understand that not, therefore we need to do X, whatever X is. Because when the world sh- doesn't change, then um, expertise becomes more important, like knowing how to do something. But when the world changes quickly, the ability to adapt becomes more important and leaders need to be able to see it before anyone else. And I think one of these things is one of the recent one thing that is needed then is this ability of having a consensus of, of people. You know, I'm Swedish. So we have a lot of consensus mentality. And you look at in Sweden was one of the most successful internet companies in the 1990s. And why was that when we, we are not native English speakers and internet was invented in the US and US took off early, but Sweden also took off early, but it didn't take off in the UK, it didn't take off in Germany, it didn't take anywhere. It happened in Sweden five years ahead of those countries. Why was that? Because we had a consensus mentality. We had everyone in who works in a Swedish, in a, everyone has a Swedish mentality, says, okay, something is changing. Look at this, there's an internet here. I think we should do internet. And that could be a secretary, that could be head of innovation, that could be head of marketing, it could be the CEO. It's someone in this, an organization saw the internet and started to do internet in a culture like a German culture where okay when the boss says something we do it and then unless the until the boss saw the internet they didn't do internet and then the boss said now let's do internet and then everyone did internet 
So consensus is if you have a consensus culture and where everyone truly is behaving as uh, with a consensus mentality, then anyone can see that change. It's like you're being on a ship and everyone is looking up for the iceberg. Then there's a much bigger chance that you won't hit the iceberg. Consensus, right. uh, as if we have a theme of etymology here tonight. Consensus literally means feel to feel together. Consensus. So consensus means that everyone feels that we're doing this together, which means everyone is going to look out for the iceberg and everyone's going to scream to get. When someone sees the iceberg, everyone gets all hands on deck and we avoid the iceberg. Yeah, I love that analogy. I think it's really great. I mean, yeah, beautiful. And and so when the the leader needs to see the change, but the whole group, if they see the change, then everyone can move forward, which is great. I think we can almost do it the other way around. The person who sees the change will be the leader, informal or, or formal. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't have to have the title. Mm. It could be formal or informal. Yeah, great. Good point. Frederick, you mentioned before about the future and where things are going and so forth. You've talked about a few things. If I was to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership, in particular with change, where do you see leadership being in five years from now? I hope that we start teaching leadership. Okay, I think the biggest difference will be that we start teaching leadership at a younger age. Just, uh, I, I really hope. I mean, we do it in, in, in sports clubs and stuff like that. But I really, I wish that because the people who go out of university now very often are not good enough. It takes a long time before someone becomes a leader. If we would start training kids in leadership more uh, deliberately and full-heartedly, I think uh, the world would become a better place. We need to, like we, like we, we need to teach them financial literacy. We need to teach, teach them about the environment. There are many things we need to teach them about, but we also should teach them more. Leadership should be a bigger part of school, no, yeah. basic school. Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing also for what you're saying is that it's not just in the sports clubs, not just in the universities. It's going to be a wider spread. We have to have a bigger footprint in teaching the kids, our youth, our younger ones at a younger age, to be the leaders of the future, our generation of what we're going to see coming forward. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, at only at in a primary school, leadership should be one of the. You should get a grade in leadership instead of instead of only getting it in math and English. And we don't, right? And that, I think that would be great. It would build confidence. It will build teamwork, spirit, teamwork abilities, and and everyone would become a better leader. And then the best of then everyone we would raise the benchmark of what everyone would graduate high school being a better leader. And then the best of those would become our leaders, which means we would raise the bar of what leadership is. I can resonate with so much with what you just said there because when I was at primary school, I was in leadership positions then and right from the, from the young age. So I, I can resonate with what you're saying and I just wished I had more knowledge then to help develop me quicker earlier so then I could actually be even better leader later on in my in my in my career and my age and life and so forth. So I think yeah, I think it's spot on. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, Frederick, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where can they go? They can connect with me on LinkedIn, Frederick Haren, F-R-E-D-R-I-K-H-A-R-E-N, Frederick Haren. Awesome. Frederick, once again, thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for your support over the years. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true, it's that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. 
Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or a question for my guests as I interview them or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode that happens once a week, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.